The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Look, it's, it's lovely to be here. Colin did say, yeah, he wasn't going to be here this morning, which is the sad thing because he is off preaching at another church. But he did say he would listen to the recording. So, Kylan, love you, Big Bear. Let's have a coffee soon. Um, look, uh, some of you won't know me. Uh, my name, yeah, is Matt. I do have the, the privilege and joy of pastoring in, in Brisbane near the city there um, at, at Inogra Baptist Church. I have actually preached at um, LCC before. The last time I got the, the joy of doing this was in... It was roughly 12 months ago, wasn't it? It was it's like this time last year. And of course, nothing significant has happened since then. But um, I can't think of anything in the world that changed. Or um, hasn't, it, hasn't it just been mental? Uh, look, uh, if 2020 has taught us one thing, isn't it just that the, the opportunity to be here, to, to worship with our family in person, is such a privilege that we should not take for granted? That this is, this is actually precious. Um, and yes, the, the Bible is always true, and yes, you can watch a service online and you can benefit spiritually from that, but there is something about being with your brothers and sisters in face-to-face fellowship, which is just, it's how it's meant to be. It's not an accident, right? The, the story of the Bible starts in a garden with two people but ends in a city. We, we are meant to be together as the family of God, and so it's my joy to be here with you this morning as we share in his good grace for us through his word. Um, Kylan did a dangerous thing. He let me pick what to preach about. Let let me loose. I know you've been walking through the Psalms. We're putting the Psalms down for a week. uh, And instead, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking uh, about something different. If I was to ask you, if you were to think of God and his character, like what, what, what are the most important kind of describing words, the most important things about God, like compared to all the things that are true about God, are there any that stand out as, as more significant than, than others? It's a dangerous question, right? Because I'm kind of inviting you to create a heresy. Um, because if we, if we get it wrong and we compete things against each other that aren't meant to compete with each other, we, uh, we can create some bad ideas. But are there any ideas about God that sort of stick their head up as being more important? Love. That's an excellent answer. Yeah, there's a few things, isn't there? Perhaps you're thinking mercy, his, his grace, um, his perfection. We love all of these things. Um, and all of these things are very, 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 very crucially true that we understand about our Lord. Um, but there is, there is one described descriptor of God in the Bible, which, which many people think, and I think there's something to it, um, it sort, of, sort of gets its head in front of the game with the rest of them. And that, that word is holy. And the reason why they think this is if we, if we turn to the book of Revelation, for example, and we, we read, is it in chapter 4 or 5? I had a thing up there somewhere. Um, we see this scene happening in the throne room of heaven where the angels are worshipping God continually, day and night, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And it's the one thing about God that everybody ever thinks is so important that it just needs to be repeated when it's said. Holy, holy, holy. What are they saying when they say holy, holy, holy? They're saying he's excessively holy. Above all, he is holy. Holy is, holiness is central to God. I would argue, and we'll get into this soon, that God's love and God's mercy and God's justice and God's perfection are all just part of what it means when we say God is holy. This is part of his holiness. Holiness is a huge theme in the Bible, and if you were to do a word search on it, it, it comes up in various contexts, either as you know, the word before Holy Spirit or in, in all different kinds of use. It's, it's, it's near a thousand times you're going to find this word holy in the Old and New Testaments together. It's, it's a huge theme, um, and we're going to look at that theme today. Why don't you turn to, if you've got a Bible with you, we'll turn to um, 1 Peter, when my computer stops giving me trouble. 
which tells us this. Uh, the Apostle Peter writing, and we know that it's the Lord God speaking through him. He says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since, as it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him who, uh, as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, then conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, your exile just meaning your life here on earth, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So here's the thing, if, if you've been in, in church for any, any length of time, and, and good churches like this one, you, you probably have already heard, you, you're, you're familiar with the idea that salvation, the, the entry into the Christian life, the, the, the moment when we are reconciled with God, that what it means to be a Christian, is it's, it's a relationship with God which is created by grace and through faith, not, not by works, right? We, we don't earn our salvation, it is given to us as a free gift of grace, and we receive it by faith, not by works. Uh, and yet... Um, there is a, a fairly frequent misunderstanding that this idea can create, and it's propped up all throughout church history, where because we know that salvation isn't by works, it's by faith, and because we know that we haven't earned our salvation, we don't know what to do with holiness. Holiness is not, I'm going to repeat this just to make sure it's clear, like holy, 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 holiness is not the way in which you gain God's favour and become a Christian. It isn't. So what role does holiness play in the Christian life? And it's this, the goal of salvation is to reconcile us to God and also to make us like Him. Doesn't that make so much sense? That, that, that when, when God came into your life and He, he forgave your sin, he, he went to quite, quite long lengths in order to forgive your sin, actually, sending His Son to die on a cross and to rise again. Um, and when God did that, it wasn't just about forgiving you, though he certainly has forgiven you if you were in Christ. There is no condemnation, right? But it was also about bringing you near and rescuing you so that you wouldn't continue to live in the sin that he's rescued you from. We, we are set free from slavery to sin, and now we are set free to serve the living God. Our goal is that we would become more like Jesus. And what is Jesus like? Jesus is holy. You should be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord God. Not as the basis of our salvation, but as salvation's effect. Holiness is, is central to the Christian life. To say that holiness doesn't matter is to say that the blood of Jesus has no power to rescue. If we are continuing in our life of sin that, the, that, that God has come to rescue us from, what we are saying is that we haven't been rescued. It didn't work. How could the blood of Jesus not sanctify us and make us holy? So we should be holy, for he is holy. I don't think I'm creating a controversy with that. I reckon we all agree. Here's the difficulty. What is holiness? <laughs> Just think, if you were to try and define holiness, do you think that you could... What are we talking about? It's, it's, it's actually a surprisingly complex word. 
It's, it's, it's broad in its meaning. It's, it's like holy is the best English word we have to summarize this idea, but it's, it's not the greatest word for it. We, almost need, we need more than one word to translate holy. And that's exactly what we're going to do um, this morning. Be holy for I am holy. It's a command. But it's also a promise. God is going to make you holy. What does that mean he's going to make you like? It means, here's my definition, and I can show you where I get it in the Bible. It's not an exhaustive definition. If I have missed something, please come and tell me afterwards because I'm going to take this sermon and preach it at my church in about a month. And so (laughs) if I've missed something, I want to know. Um, To be holy, here's, here's some ideas that help us summarize what it means to be holy. The core idea, the core idea is to be set apart. Set apart. And that set apartness expresses itself in a bunch of different ways. So to be set apart means to be distinct, different from. Um, To be set apart means to be pure, to be set apart from sin, separated from sin. Um, And to be set apart means to be useful, set apart for special use. And all of these ideas are things that I can show you in the Bible. For example, here's one where they all come together in a single passage. Um, 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonourable... He will be a vessel for honourable use. For honourable use. Useful. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. If anyone will cleanse himself from what is dishonourable, purity, um, he will be a vessel for honourable use, useful, set apart as holy, distinct. You feel that? They're all, they're all in the one verse there, so that's... I think it's a pretty good definition. And if you have a better one, I'd really like to hear it because it's such an important thing that we get right. But what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at all those three, just one at a time. Um, and here's, here's what I thought might happen. Um, these, these things are all true. They're all part of the one thing. They're all part of God's holiness. And therefore, they're all part of the life that Jesus calls us to live by faith in him. This is, this is, this is the life he's calling you into when he calls you to come and follow him and be a Christian. Uh, and maybe there's... There's one part of holiness, one, one part of these, these three things that, that will just speak a little bit louder to you today than the others. Wouldn't that be a useful thing? If maybe God might press into you at some point of your life as you're, as you're looking ahead at 2021 and you're thinking, where is God going to lead me this year as his disciple? Maybe, maybe one of these is going, to, is going to catch on something that he's been saying to you and help, help give it structure and shape and, and help you to know what to do next. Sound good? Let's go. Distinct. To be holy is to be distinct. It's to be set apart from, separated from the crowd. Um, we see this come up in the, in, with the use of the word holy in several places in the Bible. Here's a great one. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, where we are getting the Ten Commandments. And this is actually the passage I preached from last time I was here. Maybe some of you would remember where we get to verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. We're told, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days uh, you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, 
or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, um, and rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you feel that? What, in what sense is the Sabbath day holy? It is, it is holy in that it is special. It is distinct. It is not the same as the other six days of the calendar. There are six days which are the same. On those six days, you do your work. You do the things that you always do. But on the seventh day, it is different to the other six days. It is, it is distinct from them. You, you must keep it holy. You must keep it distinct. This is, this is what he's saying to the people of Israel in Exodus. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Keep it different. Keep it distinct. Um, that's one example of God saying this thing in this way. Here's another one, and I wanted to do this one second because it's filled with red herrings that I'm not going to get into because... We've only got one sermon to get through three things, right? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 to 8. I have the joy, when I do this at, at my church, we're going to have another three sermons on this, and I get to expand each one of these out and talk about each one of them for like an hour, which is going to be great for me and hopefully for them as well. Uh, but Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 to 8. Do you know the scene in Deuteronomy? This is, this is Moses' last book of the Bible. And, and, and the scene of Deuteronomy is... The second generation of Israel is standing with Moses just this side of the promised land. They're about to cross over and enter and start to take possession of the promised land. Um, the people who are sitting on the ground in front of Moses as he's preaching his last sermon to them are not the people who walked out of Egypt. It's their children and their grandchildren because that generation died in the desert. And so he's reminding them, this is the story thus far. This is how we got here. We're about to go in, but before we go in, there's some things that you need to know about, about how we got here because they, they have a lot to say about what life should look like once we get into the promised land. And he says to them this in chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, when, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you were entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations, more numerous and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. That's the red herring. It's really harsh, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not going to bother explaining it. Um, you can ask me afterwards if you'd like to know more about why God is just to do that. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons, for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods, and then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall break down their altars, and dash in pieces their pillars, and chop down their ashram, and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession, out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Do we feel that? That use of the word holy. There's lots of peoples on the earth. There's lots of nations on the earth. They're all the same. They're all people. But God has chosen you to be a holy nation, a people for his special possession. Different, set apart, distinct. And so it's important that in order for them to be the holy people that they're being called to be, that they remain distinct. Do not intermarry. Like, actually, this, this part of it totally just applies to the New Testament era, right? Faith should not marry unbelief. We are distinct. We don't mingle those things 
together, it is uh, unwise and, and causes great pain and harm. To be holy is to be different from. It's interesting. This is probably the one that we think about the least of the ones that we're going to talk about today. To be holy is to be different from. Why does this matter? How often do we think as Christians that our success in the mission that God has given us in this world will be found by our being just like the world? Like, we don't come out and say this, but it's kind of like, it's almost like sometimes our message to the world is, hey, we're just like you, but just slightly better. Right? Like we, we do this, we do this in, in youth ministry sometimes, isn't this a classic example where the goal of our youth ministry is to just do all the things that the world does for kids and as, as a way of attracting kids to come, not realizing it's kind of foolish because the world has more resources than us and can do it better. What do we have to offer this world? What, 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 is, what is it that, 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 that makes us necessary in this world? Why hasn't God taken us home yet? It's not because we're just like everybody else. It's because we're different. We represent a kingdom that this world has never seen. We represent a kind of life, a kind of existence, which the Bible uses words like alien to describe. Peter's just called us exiles. We don't fit in. Fitting in is not an option. If you fit in completely... That should be a red flag to you that something has gone amok in your Christian life. We should be thought of as a bit odd. You get, like, there's probably a wrong way to do this on the other side, right? Where like, I'd be odd on purpose. It's kind of like my life. And yet, how important it is that we are not the same. This comes up in all sorts of ways, doesn't it? Like, here's just one illustration of what I, what I can think of, what it means for the church to be holy in this world. Um, one of the things that I noticed change in the world over the course of 2020 is everyone wants to kill each other. Have you noticed? There's something about the culture of the internet which has just radicalised everybody on every side, and, and, and the, the shouting match is getting louder, the disunity is growing. Thankfully, it's not as bad here as it is elsewhere in the world, but it's still different here than what it was before. We feel it, don't we? Am I the only one? I think sometimes as Christians, we think that our role in that argument is to go pick a camp, this camp or this camp, and fit in. Perish the thought. We should be distinct. We are option three. We are a kingdom of peacemakers and reconcilers, and winning that argument is not our place in this world. Our place in this world is to invite people to come and know the living God and be rescued from the muck and the mire of this world. We are distinct. And in being distinct, we are special. Okay? Maybe that's what the Lord is going to speak to you about today. You've been, you've been fitting in. If you've been living the exact same life that you would have been living had you never known Jesus, but you go to church on a Sunday. And God is inviting you. He's calling you. He's, he's pulling you in and saying... I'm holy, I'm different. You know what, they, they hated me too. Of course they'll hate you. But, but you'll be mine. It's better. And others will follow you. It's pretty special. Here's the next one. To be holy is to be pure. It's, it, can, can, can you see how this is, is, is the same thing as being set apart? 
To be, to be pure is to be set apart, to, be, to, to have your sin removed from you, to, to be separated from your sin. Here's a great place where we read it in, in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 14. This is one of those passages, right? Hebrews, I love Hebrews. It's like electric, and there's no way to quote from Hebrews simply because it's rich and deep. We'll try. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and of calves, but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption. If any of that was confusing to you, basically what he's saying is there was an earthly temple where people offered sacrifices as a means of of obtaining God's grace and that when Jesus died on the cross, what he was doing was what the temple foreshadowed, that he offered himself as a sacrifice for sin. But he didn't really offer himself in a, a temple built by human hands. He offered his own blood in the throne room of heaven, in the real temple, in the presence of God. And as a result of that, he has obtained, secured, made for us, eternal redemption. It's pretty special. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the sprinkling of a defiled person, we're talking about the earthly temple, aren't we? With the ashes of a heifer, if that will sanctify for the purification of the flesh, then how much more with the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living Now, you haven't seen the word holy in there, apart from to talk about the holy places, but you actually have seen the word holy in there, you just don't know because of English. So I've got this. Here is the word holy in English, and next to it is a bad font version of the language that the Bible was written in. Uh, The New Testament was written in in an ancient Greek language called Koine, and the word for holy, the word that we translate holy is hagios, hagios. And here is the word sanctify, the verb sanctify, which is hagiadzo. You feel, it? You feel that? It's, one is the noun, one is the verb. They're both the same word. It's like the difference between I jump and I'm jumping. To sanctify is to make holy. Which means when we look at what was happening in the earthly temple... The blood of bulls and of goats and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer was making them holy. It was sanctifying them for the purification of the flesh. It was making them clean. Do you feel that? The, the whole point of the Old Testament temple was that there was a, a, a covering for my sin, a removal of my sin. There were washings and and sacrifices and cleansings that the Israelites would go to. We we read in the psalm, don't we, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. We we, we look at the the, the day of days, the, the, the most important day of the ancient Jewish calendar of worship, the day when the high priest would enter into the holy of holies. We read about two goats, one of whom was sacrificed, had its throat slit as a sacrifice for sin, to buy forgiveness for the people, and the other one called the scapegoat, where 
the high priest would put his hands on its head and confess the sins of Israel over it, and it would be led off into the wilderness never to be seen again. Because as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin from us. And in being separated from our sin, in being set apart from our sin, we have been made pure. Sin, sin used to define you before you knew the Lord. Our sinful nature was the most important thing about us before the Lord God Almighty. And then one day, if you are a Christian, you met the Lord Jesus. You heard his call. He said, come and follow me. I'll forgive you. When you accepted his offer by grace and through faith, your sin was forgiven and removed and now you are clean you are pure you are white as the driven snow in the eyes of God it's special isn't it and yet we do a thing we take that wonderful gift that wonderful washing that wonderful cleansing for granted and we dabble in the muck and the mire that had so stained us. Have you ever, have you ever seen a, a bird that doesn't have an aviary? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, some, I had a friend who was a zookeeper and worked with birds, and they had, they had an eagle that they could keep on the glove. And, and the way that they trained it was that there was a chain that went from the bird's leg to the thing that the bird sat on, but it, it sort of been there so long that they could take the chain off and the bird wouldn't fly away because the bird thought the bird was still chained. Isn't that depressing? Like a glorious eagle, a wedgie, like, the, like they're huge, content to sit on a stick like a caged animal, even though the cage had been removed. That's what we are when we dabble. You were set free. Your sin was, was removed from you. You've been washed and made clean. Why on earth? Would you sleep in the mud? Why would you make your home in the dirt? Our sin, our secret sins that we enjoy, that we hold on to, and we try and justify and describe them in, in ways that, that isn't sinful, and yet you're sitting here right now, and, and the Holy Spirit is doing that thing that he does, and he's bringing it to your mind, and your, your conscience is burning. Your sin is pulling you down, pulling you back, holding you away from the God who loves you. I would wager that as we start a new year, there is something in your life which the Lord would have you distanced from, rescued from, set free to overcome, and he is willing. He is inviting you, come and, come and experience the freedom that I have won for you. But every time, there's, there's a thing that every time you go to step out in faith and obey God in some way, you're going you're gonna to share your faith with that friend or that, that family member. You're going, to, you're going to trust in his provision and not worry. And, and there's this thing that the devil throws at you like a flaming dart and just reminds you, oh, he won't provide for you. Do you know what you did? I know what you did. It's leverage holding you back from the freedom that has been won for you at the cost of the Son of God. But there's good news. God makes us holy. It's a command, but it's also a promise. 
the blood of Jesus still has its power and you can still be free. So come and be free. Last one. To be set apart, to be holy, is to be useful. To be useful. There is, there is an idea which comes up when we read the Bible where the word holiness is used to mean set apart for special use. Set apart for special use. Here's an example. We're going Old Testament again. Ezekiel chapter 45, verses 1 to 4. I'm sure you were all reading that this morning. Notice how the word holy is used here. That's why we're going there. Ezekiel 45, going from verse 1 to 4. The people of Israel are having to um, portion out the land as an inheritance. And they're sort of, they're making a map. And this portion of the land is going to go to this tribe, and this portion of the land is going to go to this tribe, and this portion of the land is going to go to this tribe. Um, and the, the prophet says, when you, allot, uh, when you yeah, allot the land as an inheritance, you shall set apart for the Lord a portion of the land as a holy district. It's going to be 25,000 cubits long and 20,000 cubits broad. It shall be holy throughout its whole extent. Of this, a square plot of 500 by 500 cubits shall be for the sanctuary. We're going to build a temple there with 50 cubits for an open space around it. And from this measured district, you shall measure off a section 25,000 cubits long and 10,000 broad, in which shall be the sanctuary, the most holy place. It shall be a holy portion of the land. It shall be for the priests who minister in the sanctuary and approach the Lord to minister to him. And it shall be a place for their houses and a holy place for the sanctuary. Do you feel how holy is being used here? Holy is for special use. It's, it's, it's set apart to be used for special reasons. In this instance, this is the most common uh, sort of place where we find this usage is in regards to the temple. There are utensils in the temple which are to be used only for temple use. There's a candlestick in the, in the entrance to the temple with candles on it. You're not allowed to like knock off at four o'clock in the afternoon and take the candlestick home and use it to light your house. It's for special use. It stays in the, in the temple, right? I wonder if that ever happened. That guy would have gotten so much trouble. To be holy is to be set apart for special use. Here's, 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 like, here's a, a current day example of it. In my house, there are two identical brushes. Two identical brushes. One of which is for special use. So they're exactly the same. They're about the same length. They're made of the same materials. They both have a plastic handle. The, the bristles are made of the same stuff. But this is, what's different. this is what's different between these two brushes. One of them lives at my kitchen sink, and the other lives behind my toilet. And never shall their purposes cross. They are for distinct reasons, right? I can't just, can't just grab the, the dishwashing brush and think, well, you know, the other one was someone was using it, so I'll just, I'll just give it a go. It is for special use. It is holy. The holy brush shall only be used for holy purposes. And those holy purposes is to clean the things I put in my mouth. And I wish my children also would believe that the toilet does not go in the mouth. I have a baby who was born since the last time I was here, and she thinks that the toilet is the most exciting object in the entire house and must be touched at all times, and I cannot fathom why. Babies, hey? To be set apart, to be holy, is to be for special use, which means Christians, when, when you became a Christian, when God made you holy, 
He set you apart for his special use, which means that you are useful. You feel that? What was your life for before? What did you do with your life? What actions did you take in this world? And then you met the Lord, and now you are for his special use in particular. Like, like the candle in the temple, you are for his use only. Now, that doesn't mean that we all have to kind of retire from the world and go and live in a temple. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that wherever you are in the world, whatever you are doing in the world, you are there to serve him and him alone. You're for his special use. As Christians, as saved people, we serve the Lord. We, we, we obey him and we do his will. We, we speak his message. We show his mercy. We are agents of reconciliation. We forgive one another because we serve the Lord. Who does your life belong to? It belongs to him. You are not your own. That is what it is to be holy. Maybe you've been a, 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 a part of church for 40 years or four, right? What a wonderful church. Isn't the music here wonderful? Yeah? Don't, don't we love the fact that there's... I was speaking to the kids' team this morning. For your children, these volunteers, they're volunteers, aren't they? Have gone and not just, ex, just they haven't just downloaded a curriculum off the internet to teach. They, they thought, you know, we can do better. And they've gone, they've started writing their own to teach your children about the law. Isn't that amazing? It's, 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 so, it's so right and, and it's so good when we, when we see it happening. But if you reflect back on your life, do you live this, the same way? Do you serve the Lord? Not, not just here on a Sunday, but like in life. Do you serve the Lord? Do you obey him? Do you contribute to this world in his name? Like you, you, you can do this at your work. By working like a Christian works, you are serving the Lord. And you can do this in your church by taking responsibility to make sure that you are a blessing to the others here. By, by finding that person after the service and asking them if you can pray for them, you're serving the Lord joining a roster, joining a team, there's, there's ways to do that in a church like this. You are for special use. You are useful. My, my brother uh, is 10 years older than me, uh, and he has no kids, which means instead of kids, he has collections of things that he likes. And I'm a little bit jealous. Um, one, one of the collections that he has is a collection of electric guitars. He's got like nine of them. And they, they literally sit on a rack with like... He's never going to listen to this, so I can say it. Um, he's got like tissues that he puts on the guitar rack before he puts the guitars on the rack. It's like, this is a rack designed to hold guitars. I think it's going to be okay, but the tissues are there to protect the guitars from the guitar holding rack. And there they sit, getting dusty. It's like, you'd like name a nice guitar. He probably has it. Does he play them? Is he in a band? I don't even know if he knows how to play guitar. He's probably just too embarrassed to play in front of me. What a shame that a guitar would sit on a shelf unplayed. What a travesty that a Christian's life would go unused in the Lord's service. Don't, don't collect dust in your time here on earth. Be holy like he is holy. Serve him with gladness because he loves you and has forgiven you and has made you different.
To be holy is to be set apart. Maybe one of these stuck out to you. To be distinct, to be different from, to not look the same. To be pure, to leave your sin behind and to walk in righteousness. To be useful, to serve, to use your time and your energy and your effort and your money to bless the kingdom. Is the Spirit pressing on you at one of these points? If he is, what he's showing us is that we aren't holy like he is holy. This is, this is a thing we need to learn, we need to grow in, but the good news is that it is a command and a promise. It is a command, be holy for I am holy, but it is also a promise, I have redeemed you. And that redemption is yours freely today by that same grace that saved us. He was willing at your salvation and he is willing now to continue the good work that he has begun in you to make you holy. Isn't that remarkable? Why don't we finish with just a a word from Hebrews 12.1. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, every sin which which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, you are holy. You are holy, holy, holy. There is none like you. You are set apart. You are high and above. You are different from and in every way that you are different from this world in which we inhabit, in every way that you are different from me, the difference is praiseworthy. I am glad that you are different. Because this world ain't no good. It is in your difference that we find hope for something better. Lord, teach me to love your holiness and to hear your call and to have faith in your promise. Lord, if you are wonderful, then for me to be like you is wonderful. I want this. I, I, want to be, I want to be different in all the ways that it's important to be different. There's something in my flesh that just really wants to fit in and not get noticed and have people approve of me. And thank you that you've rescued me from those idols because they would lead to my death. I want to be different like you are different. Lord, I want to be pure. Lord, we, like, my, my flesh doesn't love purity. There is something in me that just enjoys my vices. Of course I got angry. Did you see what she said to me? That wants to have my pleasures in the here and now. 
comforting, they're easy. And if I do it right, they don't hurt anyone else. And I thank you that you have rescued me from these idols. Lord, my secret sins are killing my soul. My secret sins are an offense to you. They are the thing that you came to rescue me from. And that rescue was so hard fought that it cost you your son on the cross. They aren't small sins, Lord. I thank you for your grace that you do not condemn me, but that you redeem me, that you buy me back, that you win me from, that you set me free. Lord, I both want to experience your freedom now and I'm completely afraid of what it would mean to lose those things. Set me free. Lord, I want to be useful. There is a part of me that does not want to be useful. <laughs> Lord, there is a part of me that wants my life to be for my use. I would like to be set apart for my own free time, for my hobbies, for my big house with a jet ski and a Dodge Ram with the esky in the tray. I want my life to be about me. And I thank you that you have rescued me from that idol. Because if I got what I want, it would kill me. Who would I become? Thank you, Lord, that you lift up my eyes, that you didn't come to be served, but to serve. How is it that you serve? That you would serve me, that you would love me and give yourself for me. Lord, if my master is like that, how could I not be likewise? So make me useful. Tell me where I can serve. Show me how to speak with boldness and with grace. Show me how to live for you and for your kingdom in all of my doings, whether it be my working or my going out or my lying down or my sleeping. Lord, we want to be holy like you are holy because everything about you which is holy is wonderful. To be like you is wonderful. We thank you that we have confidence of victory in all these things through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Centre Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 